The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times, or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. Good morning, Tabernacle. Happy Easter. You guys like that song? You can have a seat. Do you you guys like that song? I love that song. Sorry, every preacher wants to be in the band and shouldn't be. But when Marcus, the mysterious baseman, right, right over here, when he gives that little thumping thing, I find myself all week long, I'm like, it's like a little march, you know? Sorry, I just geeked out on you. But uh, give me a break. Service number six. It's Easter weekend. You made it. You're here. I'm glad. That's awesome. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, We're so glad uh, that you're with us. If you're watching online, listening online, or if you're a first-time guest, uh, we especially want to welcome you. I also want to take the opportunity to say that if you are a first-time visitor in the seat backs, whether it's either right in front of you or if you're in the front row, it's behind you, we have the largest piece of paper in there is called the card. And that's a register of how we know who you are. And we would love for you uh, to fill one of those out. And if you will, take them with you uh, uh, to the little wooden structure out in the lobby. Uh, we have a gift for you. It's a pretty cool thing. It's got some tabernacle materials. And we like to capture your information because we want to send you as many worthless things as we possibly can. So you didn't even go there with me, did you? Did you not get donuts? Come on, right? I'm kidding. We're not going to send you worthless information, but it is how uh, we kind of let you know the different events that are going on at the tabernacle. And it does give us an opportunity to follow up with you. So uh, I encourage you to fill out the card. Uh, even if you're not a first time visitor, if you've never filled it out, chances are if you're a, a Northern Michigan man, you don't like your information captured. That's all right. We like you too, right? You just can't have a donut. So um, uh, take the time to fill out the card. Um, also, uh, if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15 because today we're talking about resurrection. Now, what the resurrection is, is literally this, uh, uh, this raising from death to life of Jesus Christ, right? That's what the resurrection's about. It's the most important event in human history. And in 1 Corinthians 15, a guy named Paul is going to write about that historical event. And the reason that it's important is because the, rection, or, or the resurrection was an event, It's something that really happened. Now, if it didn't happen, I just want to go ahead and say this right now. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ from death to life, if that didn't happen, we're wasting our time. This is an absolute colossal waste of time. Waste of money, all the feel goods, all the friendships, all the donuts. It's a waste of time. But if it did happen, it changes everything. It changes everything because it separates Christianity from fiction. It separates Christianity from all other world religions or belief systems. The fact that the resurrection was an event should change everything. Muhammad's still in his grave. Karl Marx is still in his grave. John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King, they're in their graves doesn't matter if it's a good teacher or a bad teacher. They're in their graves. There's only one teacher who died and then came back from death. That's why it matters. Resurrection matters to you and me. Resurrection means something to you and me. And we're going to explore that just a little bit. 
So the resurrection was an event. That's the first thing that I want us to get today. In 1 Corinthians 15, this is what this guy Paul wrote about the resurrection. Starting in verse 3. I will put the words on the screen. This is what he says. He says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time. Most of them are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. After the way I persecuted God's church. What's Paul talking about? He's talking about the fact that the resurrection was an event. In space and in time, there was a guy, Jesus, who walked this earth. And a lot of people followed him. And he was crucified. And he was put in a tomb. And then three days later, the body was gone and the tomb was empty. Now, I'm going to drop a little history teacher on you right now. Historians agree that all of that happened. Jewish historians, Roman historians, Greek historians, all agree that about 2,000 years ago, there was a guy named Jesus who walked this earth, that he performed wonders, people called them miracles, that thousands of people followed him. Historians don't dispute that. Christian and non-Christian, they don't dispute that. And that this Jewish guy was killed by the most efficient killing machine on the planet at the time, the the Roman Empire. They hung him on a cross. They nailed him to a cross where he could die of asphyxiation. After they flogged him twice, tortured him, beat him after a kangaroo trial. All of the historians say, yep, that happened. They all agree that he was buried. They also agree that afterwards the tomb was empty and the rumor began to spread that he was alive. No one disagrees with that. Who believes history at least. This is where the roads diverge. About this historical resurrection event. Some people believe ah, that the body just disappeared. Or I don't know what happened to the body. But he didn't really come back from death. The other group believes they saw him alive. That he defeated death. He came back not just being you know, dead for a little bit. Not just one of those, you know, you see the movie or you see the TV. Oh, I saw a light. Go to the light. Don't go to the light. You know, all that stuff. No, three days dead. As we like to say, three days stinky dead. Are you with me? Is that too far? He came back from death. And there's only two responses you can have. You don't get a third response. You don't get a, well, I don't know and I don't care. You have to do something with that. Either he was raised from death, resurrection, or he wasn't. You either believe it or you don't believe it. If you believe it, it changes everything. If you don't believe it, it's worthless to you. And your life won't change. The resurrection was an event. This is what Paul just told us right here. He said that after he was buried, that he appeared to a guy named Peter. These guys know Peter, this this Corinth church. It's why it's called Corinthians. And then it said the other apostles, they saw him too. After that, it says more than 500 of his followers saw him at once. So it wasn't just like a ghost 
It wasn't a feeling. It wasn't a premonition. It was daylight and over 500 of them are hanging out with the risen Lord. You know, you read these stories about something that happens in the United States, some sighting, right? It's usually in Texas or New Mexico or Arizona. Someone saw Jesus on a water tower or in a cup of cappuccino, right? A tree is bleeding and then everybody goes running out there to see what it is. And it's usually a lot of Catholics, no offense, right? Come on, Catholics, you know it's true. You love that stuff. We love Catholics. Peace be with you. Amen. There we go, right? But it's usually something like that, and I'm not making fun of that. I'm just saying, when he says, no, here's a for real witness, his name was Peter. You can check with the other 12. You can check with the 500, and and he gives legitimacy. He goes, most of them are still alive. Go ask them what they saw. Some of them have died. And this is the interesting thing. How many of Jesus' followers faced with a choice, deny the resurrection, deny that you saw him alive, or face brutal death? They all took death. Now, people that are lied to will die for a lie that they believed. Okay? But people don't die for a lie that they made up. Especially a brutal death, generally speaking. Deny that you saw him alive, Peter, or we're going to hang you from a cross upside down. Bring it. Because if you've seen the risen Lord, you're not afraid anymore. Because you know he's more powerful than death. Are you with me? The resurrection was an event. And Paul's sitting here saying, it really happened. Here's the witnesses. And he ends with the biggest bit of evidence he could possibly give. He goes, last of all, he appeared to me. And he goes, and I wasn't even worthy to be appeared to. I'm not even worthy to be an apostle. That's why we love to say, hey, if you're trying out church for the first time and you were afraid that it was going to catch on fire and you were afraid that it was all going to fall because you're the worst sinner ever, you ain't that special. And in fact, if you're here today and you're like, well, I never wanted to come to church because church is just full of hypocrites. You know what we always say? No, it's not. There's plenty of room for more. Join the party, right? And here, probably the greatest apostle is saying, he appeared to me, and I used to persecute the church. Paul was a terrorist. Paul was anti-Christ. He was anti-Christian. He was anti-church. He was having them thrown in jail. He was having them beaten and tortured. He was having them killed. Remember Stephen? But then when he met Jesus face to face, everything changed. And he believed the resurrection was a historical event. And he spent the rest of his life telling everyone about it, suffering for it, and eventually dying a martyr's death. Because you couldn't deny that he saw the risen Lord. So that's important for us to understand. I mean, always sitting here going, well, you know, I'm a Christian. or and Not everyone here is, but a lot of people are. And you're like, yeah, we know that. That's why we got dressed up. And showed up on Easter because we believe that. But what does it mean for me now? I'm glad you asked. You see, resurrection's not just an event. Resurrection is also a person. Don't miss this. Resurrection is a person. If we look in the book of John, John chapter 11, in John's gospel, he recounts this uh, kind of a well-known story to some of us of something Jesus did long before his crucifixion. 
Jesus had some dear friends, Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. And while Jesus was out of town, uh, Lazarus gets really sick, deathly ill. And Mary and Martha send word to Lazarus, or or word to Jesus, Lazarus is ill, we need you to come quick. But Jesus doesn't come quick, he's got other things he's got to do. Lazarus gets more and more sick and eventually Lazarus dies. By the time Jesus showed up in their town of Bethany, Lazarus had been dead four days. They'd already had the funeral, wrapped him up in grave clothes, put him in a tomb. Jesus, where were you? You could have saved him. You're the miracle worker, the wonder worker. And if you know the story, you know what happened next. There's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus cared about death. It says Jesus wept. Two words, Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. You're welcome. Now you can memorize that. And after he wept, he did something really trippy. He went to the grave and he said, move the stone. Now this is where scripture, this is why it's so raw and real and authentic. Is they go, no, no, Lord, he's already dead. We can't take the stone back. And they say, it says in the scripture, the stench. Meaning he was four days dead. Four days dead. But he says, no, 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 take away the stone. And they roll away the stone And if you remember the story, Jesus then calls out in a loud voice. He says, Lazarus, come out, come forth. And then it gets really weird. Dead guy in the grave clothes, in the mummy, comes out full on Scooby-Doo, right out the grave. You saw that show. Don't act like you didn't, right? He just comes out in the grave clothes, you know, all wrapped up. Get this sheet off me, right? Right? He comes back to life. Jesus is demonstrating that he's got resurrection power, not just over himself, but over you and me. He can bring himself back to life. He can bring you back to life. Well, in that teaching, it says in John chapter 11, as he's talking to one of Lazarus' sisters, this is what he says to her. Verse 25 of John 11, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. He's not speaking about it as an event. He's speaking about it as a person. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Now there's some serious layers to what he just said. Now at our church, we don't believe there's any wasted words in scripture. We believe if God said it, it's for us to either choose to believe or not to believe. We don't take some of it and not all of it. Because then forever you're trying to figure out what part to believe and what not to believe. And the fact is, he said it's all true. So if he came back from death, you either accept it or not. So if he said it, I need you to examine it. And what Jesus said is, I am the resurrection. It's not just an event. The resurrection is a person. Because if the historical event of Jesus' resurrection is true, that means he's alive. If he's alive, that means the resurrection is a person right now. And it's embodied in him. It's in his character. And it's in his nature. It's in his love. His power is alive and well. Do some of you believe that? He says, I am the resurrection. And not only that, but I'm the resurrection and the life. That's present. And then he goes on to tell us that, that anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Why do I bring this up? You see, some of us in church that attend church all the time, or some of us that attend church once in a while, 
anyone that kind of believes in God or calls themselves a Christian, we know this teaching that if I place my faith in God, if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, you know, that Jesus is the Lord and that God raised him from the dead, if I believe all that stuff, then when I die, I'll go to heaven and be with him. That's the gospel, right? We believe, not in our good works, not in how good I am, but if I have faith, someday when I die, and hopefully it's long down there, I won't go to the bad place, I'll go to the good one. Anyone heard that before? Okay, by show of hands, how many of you became a Christian because of a fear of death? Just raise your hand. You liars. I did. What's the matter with you? I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to spend forever and ever in the grave. How many of you, that was at least part of it? I became a Christian because I wanted eternal life. Okay, some of you aren't going to hell now. Good, all right. What are we talking about? Resurrection and life, right. That's true. However, according to what Jesus just said right here, I am the resurrection and the life right now. That means he wants to give us life right now. If he's the resurrection present tense, that means in him and knowing him and in relationship with him, there is resurrection. That means the dead places in my soul, the deadness in my heart, the little places that life has killed off, he has the power to resurrect right now. You know what I'm talking about. Life has a way of killing off places of our heart, doesn't it? Hopes, dreams, disappointment, didn't turn out the way I thought it would. That thing didn't fulfill like I thought it would. That loss. I mean, how many of us here, just even in this room, are lost someone special to us? A spouse, a child, a parent. Life has a way of kind of slowly killing you, doesn't it? It's okay to say, this is church. That's why we're here. Because you can run on for a long time thinking that, oh, I got it all together. I can put on the brave face. But sooner or later, physically, spiritually, emotionally, there's parts of us that just get killed. Killed off slow. But if the resurrection was an event and the resurrection is a person, that person says today, because if he's alive, he's alive today. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life right now. That dead place, I can raise it to life. That's what I offer. Friends, we're not real good at this church at kind of hiding our cards. We like to give it to you straight. We're not going to beat around the bush. So I'm going to just tell you something right now. This is what I'm trying to sell you if you're not a Christian or not a regular church attender. This is what I'm trying to sell you. I'm going to tell you right now. This is why I want your card. This is why we want you to come regularly. This is why we want to be a church for you if you don't have one. This is what the selling point is. As that this Jesus, if he defeated sin and death once, he can do it again and he promises it. And he promises that he can bring the dead places of your heart back to life. And you can experience resurrection now before that resurrection someday. 
And I'm, I'm 47. I, I'm, you know, time keeps on ticking, 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 right? I'm going there. That was a 70s song for those of you young bucks. Real music, right? So yesterday I'm working out and I'm doing the squats. Hard to believe, right? There is a noise in this left knee that ought not be there. It wasn't there two years ago. It wasn't there when I was 10. But you get, you can hear, I put a microphone up to it and you'd be like, man, something's wrong with that. Our bodies, they wrinkle, they decay, they decompose, they fall apart. And that resurrection is promised. But before that, the here and now, the tomorrow, this week, this month, this marriage, this family, this body, this addiction, this disappointment, it can be raised to life. That's the power. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available That's what we're trying to sell you. Lastly, resurrection is something that can be experienced. It can be experienced. And it can be experienced by you. It's not just for somebody else. It's for you. Because if he did it once, and he says he's alive today, and he embodies resurrection, then it can be experienced. There's no situation that's beyond him. There's no relationship he can't fix. There's nothing dead that he can't breathe life into. He did it with our first father, Adam, when he created him out of dust, Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and then breathed life into his nostrils. Whatever you got, whatever you brought today, he can breathe life into it. He can. He gave us a clue to that in, in, uh, uh, in Philippians chapter 3. Paul's writing this as well, and for some of you, this might be a familiar passage, but I I just want to just kind of give this disclaimer right now. What I'm about to read to you is not a checklist. Sometimes we were like, just tell me what to do. Just tell me how hard I need to work. Well, that's religion is how hard you need to work, and a relationship with God is a little bit different because it's his power, not yours. God is a for real God. He's not a divine vending machine. That you put your little coin in and hit the button and get what you want. Does that make sense? But what this passage I'm about to read to you, it does shine light on the way resurrection happens in our lives right now. So if you're sitting here today and anything I've said is like, yeah, I, man, there's some dead places in my soul that I thought died a long time ago and I'm hoping they come. To, this is for you. So check it out. This is what he writes in Philippians 3 verse 10. Paul says, I... I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Me too. Sounds cool. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Not so much. With me there? Yeah, can we pass over that part? What What are you driving at here, Paul? So that one way or another... I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Now we're going to examine that just real quick here. I want to know Christ. Just by a show of hands, if Christ really came back from the dead and he's really alive today and he's a for real God, God with skin on, how many of you say, okay, yeah, I want to know Christ too. Just raise your hand and say, yep, I want to know Christ. Yeah, that's cool. I'm down with that. That's not too frightening. And I want to experience that mighty power that raised him from the dead. If there's power that can raise the dead places in my life back to life now and someday I want some of that, just by a show of hands. Yep, I want that. Yep, some of you do. Some of you just want to stay dead. Cool, okay. 
But then we get to this part. I want to suffer with him sharing in his death. How many of you are down with that? Some of you psychos, right? Sadists. Just kidding. I don't want that part. And then at the end, he says it again. So that one way or another, I will experience resurrection. Yeah, I'm down. So it's one and two. I want to know Christ. I want to know that power. And I want to somehow experience resurrection. But the sandwich part in the middle, I'm not down with. Share in suffering and death. What's he mean by that? Well, here's the deal. First of all, let's just apply logic to something. Don't miss this. In order for something to be raised to life, in order for something to be resurrected, it has to die. You can't be keeping stuff on life support and then expect God to resurrect it. You can't be saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to keep this alive. This part of me, this sin, this, this selfishness, my will. I got to keep all that stuff alive. You, th- this is mine. That's what he means when he says, I want to share in Christ's suffering and death. You know, Jesus prayed and asked God the night before the cross. He said, if there's any other way than my death, can we do that? But then he prayed, not my will, but your will be done. And then our Lord submitted himself to brutal torture and death. And he could have avoided it. So when Paul says, I want to share in his suffering and death, listen, he's not talking about you gritting your teeth and trying harder. What's the suffering and dying for you and me? The suffering and dying for you and me is learning to love like God loves. Learning to love like God loves. And that's hard. Remember Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? What's the heart of God? What's God really trying to do? What does he want from you and me? Very simply, he wants us to love him heart, soul, mind, and strength. And secondly, he wants us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Sounds easy, doesn't it? It ain't. You know why? Because I'm hard to love. And so are you. People are hard to love. In fact, that's one of the miracles of what God's doing in northern Michigan. Look at the jacked up collection of misfit toys that are just in this service right here. And that we would even hang out together for real. That God wouldn't just cause this place to fall in on all of us. I mean, we don't need to list all the sins that are in this. Just mine. Ask my wife, right? But that God loves us. That's his mighty power. That we get to love him back. That we get to experience that. That we get to share it with others. So the sharing and suffering in his death is learning to love like God. That means learning to forgive like God. Learning to be generous like God. Learning to accept like God. And woo, that's suffering. That's hard. That's a lifelong process. But that's where resurrection happens. So when he says, I want to know Christ, I want to experience that power, what that means, it's going to cost me something when he says, I want to share in his suffering and death. I told you, I would, I would tell you the sales pitch straight. Do you know what being a Christian costs you? Everything. It costs you everything. 
That's why you don't get to be a halfway Christian. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't halfway go to the cross? No, that was a for real question. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't halfway go to the cross? And he didn't halfway die. And he didn't halfway come back to life. How much did our salvation cost God? Everything. The least we can do in response is return it. And when that happens, resurrection happens. God begins to bring the dead places back to life. It may not happen all at once. And sometimes you may not even be able to put your finger on it. In fact, I want to tell you a story. There was a guy uh, uh, um, that I met just this last year. And like so many other men, the only reason he came to the tabernacle was to make his wife happy. Any men out there? I know you're here today. (laughs) Right? And so to make his wife happy, he came along. And he told me, I was, I was actually at our little men's uh, uh, group that we do uh, every week called Fight Club, and, and he, we were sharing testimonies, and he was sharing his testimony. He said, I didn't believe in God. I was against God. But she believed it, and I wanted to make her happy, so I came like this. Okay, do something. And I said, when was that? And he goes, oh, it was about a year ago. And he goes, all I know is there is a God, and I believe in God, and my life has changed, and I'm a different man. I'm a Christian. Jesus is real. And I'm like, Really? How do you know? Like part of me wanted to make sure that he wasn't just kind of a, you know, groupie just kind of hanging around. But part of me also wanted to know what brilliant sermon did you hear (laughs) that put you over the edge, you know, told you I'm wicked, right? And he goes, ah, you know, it wasn't really anything you ever said. It was just, you know, just kept coming and being part of a fight club and hanging out in the worship, all the music, you know, all this kind of stuff. And he goes, all I know is I'm different. I'm changed. He goes, I'm a changed man. He goes, I'm not angry anymore. Bitterness, my resentment, all my anger issues from a kid. I'm not angry and I'm not violent anymore. I'm like, what? And he goes, that's how I know there's a God. Because his love is in me. He goes, John, the reason I know I'm a Christian is because I don't hit her anymore. He goes, it's all she ever knew. It's all I ever knew. I don't hit her anymore. That's how I know he's real. Now, you might be sitting here right now going, what kind of people come to this church? You do. You do. And if the mighty power of resurrection can resurrect the dead places in that guy's life, So he can experience love and forgiveness and mercy and grace and learn to give love and mercy and forgiveness and grace. Then he can do it for you. Whatever's dead. There's no sin that's any more spectacular than another one. God's in the business of taking dead things and breathing life into those things. Resurrection. Because the resurrection was an event. And it is a person. It can be experienced. You know, as that old country song goes, everyone wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. It'll cost you. It's not just a little prayer. It's not just a little, you know, a little tip of the hat. It's not just where I believe. It's a new resurrection life. That's what I'm trying to sell you today. That's what the gospel is all about. And it's eternal. You know, a couple years ago, 
on Easter, we, we, we talked about the last words, uh, you know, before Jesus gave up his spirit on the cross. Do you remember those words when, when it says in a loud voice, before he died, don't miss this, he cried out in English, or I mean, he, in our language, he says, it is finished. It is finished. Also, it means paid in full, right? The Greek word is tetelestai. Remember that word, some of you? Just say that word, all of us out loud. Just say tetelestai. It is finished or paid in full. And the beauty of what's packed in that word, and it's missed by so many, is, is that in the, in the grammar of the Greek, it is the perfect passive indicative. You know what that means, right? The perfect passive indicative? What that means, and we don't have anything like it in the English language, when he was saying their sins are paid in full, right? That the atonement is paid in full. That it is finished. It's done. There's no more religion. There's only a relationship. He was saying, I've paid for the sin of the past. It's paid for and being paid for right now. And will continue to be paid for out there. Tetelestai means it is finished. Past, present, future. It is paid in full. Past, present, future. You get why that's such a big deal? That's why Christians are getting tattoos of it and t-shirts and power bracelets, right? Tetelestai. Pretty cool. Are you with me? That's the gospel. The same is true of resurrection. It was an event where Satan, sin, and death was defeated once for all. It is finished. It is a person right now. He's alive. That's why we're going to eat donuts and ham or whatever your Easter dinners. That's why we're going to celebrate. And resurrection is something that's coming, not just someday, but it's promised for you. Doesn't matter if you're young or old, middle-aged. So I guess the question for you today is, you got any dead places that need life breathed into them? Has God in His power spoken to you this morning? That's why the resurrection matters. That's what the resurrection means. So I'm going to tell you very specifically, the band's going to come and we're going to, we're going to sing one more song. But before we do, I want to give you a chance to respond. Whether you're a Christian or not, I'm going to give you a chance to respond. And there's, and there's two different responses, but they're really the same response. And that's, I want resurrection. I need some resurrection, some resurrecting. So first of all, if you're not a Christian or you're not sure, but you want to become one, you could become a Christian today. And there's no magic prayer. There's no certain, you know, not an essay you got to write class you got to take it's very simply you receive god's gift of what jesus did on the cross and what does that mean is you simply just have a conversation either out loud or quietly with god and you just ask hey god will you come into my life will you forgive me of my sin i want to be a christian boom done and then the fun begins resurrection starts so if that's you today we invite you to do that if you're not sure we invite you to do that i'm gonna give you a chance here in a second But chances are most of us do believe in God or would consider ourselves Christians. But it's the same invitation. I got some dead places that I gave up on that now I'm hearing Christ can resurrect. You know, I've shared this before. And I don't share it to brag. It's my testimony. I never wanted to be a preacher. That was dead to me. I never wanted to be the pastor of a local church. That was dead to me. And I never wanted to live... In northern Michigan. That was dead to me. And guess what God did? I'm going to raise some of this back to life. 
I'm going to raise you a new hope and a new dream and a new passion and a new people. And you know what? There's no place I want to be. I want to be here. Resurrection. That's how he works it sometimes. So if you're a little bit afraid, Christian or non, don't be afraid. It's mighty power. It's mighty power that shows up. So would you bow your heads with me today? I don't know what God's saying to you, but I would just ask if everybody, even if you're not into this, you're just here because of her and this was all nice and you just want to go. That's fine. Just close your eyes for a second out of respect for other folks. And I'm going to be looking just because I want to know who to pray for. And I believe the resurrected one is looking. He knows. He sees. And this morning, as an act of faith, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Whether you want to become a Christian for the first time, or you are a Christian, and you need a dead place resurrected. And it's between you and God. I'm not going to hunt you down on a little bicycle and ask you all about it. It's between you and God. But you want it to start Easter 2018. As an act of faith. Just a little movement of a hand going up and going down. That's the act of faith. That's all I'm asking for today. Okay? You put it up, you put it down. Say, I need that. You, me, and God are the ones that know. When you're ready, go. I need resurrection. Yep, all over the place. All over, just up and down. Up and down. Yep. You're either saying, yep, I need to become a Christian, or there's a dead place, and if this God is real, I'm asking him to bring it to life. Just a couple more seconds. Just up and then put them down. We're not going to wait long. Sweet. All over the place. All over the place. Anybody else? Anybody else? Great. Yep. Lord, you know what every single hand in all six of the services, you know what those hands represent. You know what they're about. God, I celebrate with people today who've declared their faith in you for the very first time. God, I pray that you would give them courage to identify themselves. The way you are not ashamed of us, may they not be ashamed of you. God, would you help them to find somebody even at our church that can talk to them and explain things to them or maybe get them plugged in somehow. God, chances are most of the hands today were Christians or people saying, you know, something went dead and I need life breathed into it. God, I believe in your mighty power. That's what your word has said and we're trusting you that it will show up. God, for the men, for the women, for the young people that couldn't find the courage to even put their hand in the air, God, would your resurrection power invade? Maybe they need the rest of the day or the rest of the week or the rest of the month to think about it. Maybe they need to come back a little bit and see if this is for real or if we're just putting on a bright, shiny face for Easter. God, I pray that resurrection would be experienced. God, I thank you for your son, Jesus. God in flesh, God with skin on. Thank you that we can know him and we can experience the resurrection power that emanates from his love. God, I pray that that resurrection power would flow through us. It would flow into our families, into our marriages, into our parenting, at our jobs, the way we spend our time the way we spend our resources. God, would you breathe life into the dead places? God, most of all, we thank you for the cross. We thank you that Jesus suffered so we don't have to. 
that he took our execution and death so that we can live forever. That he gave his life so we can experience real life. We don't have to settle for anything less. And it's in his name and by his spirit that we pray. If you agree, say amen. I want to thank you again for being with us. If you don't have a church, you're from out of town, I hope you find one. You can listen online here until you do or even after. If you want this church to be your home, we'd love to see you next week. We'd love to see you sooner than next Easter. Is that okay to say without hurting anybody's feelings? That'd be great, right? I also want to say or remind you, fill out a card, especially if you made a decision. So just we can follow up and help, that's all. We're not going to post it on Facebook, all your private stuff. Um, also, there's a table full of donuts, and uh, we need those to go away. We need you to take those, because they'll go to my house. World knows, you know, we got enough fat preachers already. We don't need more of those. Uh, you know, come on, my cholesterol. So take a donut with you. Enjoy your Easter, your ham, whatever you have, shish kebab. God bless you.